we want to go back to our, our series, uh, Matthew, the Gospel of the Kingdom. And today, I uh, really want to share with you from this thought, uh, an extraordinary birth of an extraordinary king. Extraordinary birth of an extraordinary king. And, and so today, looking at Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And so you want to find that, get to it. We'll walk through that passage together. Not going to be long today. Just a few points that I want to share about this. And um, um, actually, before I get started again, there's one other thing I forgot to mention. Uh, Bethel Church has hired a brand new uh, campus pastor for our Cedar Lake campus. His name is Mark Colton. Amen. Amen. And Pastor Steve is over at Cedar Lake this morning, kind of preaching an introductory message. So if you go online this week, uh, Pastor Steve's message will be about shepherding and leadership. Uh, so, uh, but we're going to stay with our series. And so let's uh, give the Lord praise for Cedar Lake having a campus pastor after a year. Amen. Amen. So uh, we look at this, an extraordinary birth of an extraordinary king. What is it that really comes to our minds when we hear the word extraordinary? We read that word extraordinary. I, I just mentioned it in, re- in reference to Angelo Wilford, that this was an extraordinary young man. And we, we hear that word, and it, 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 it often uh, elicits a visceral reaction in our hearts, our minds, and our thoughts when we hear and see or read the word extraordinary. In, in, in my case, for me, when I hear the word extraordinary, uh, it is the anticipation of something quite unlike my regular routine. You know, some days you get up and you just see the sun shining and, and the birds are chirping and maybe it's springtime and you just get this kind of feeling that this has the potential to be an extraordinary day. This is going to be different than my routine. Uh, over the last several couple weeks or so, nine or ten days, we've had a lot of cloudiness in the sky. And one day the sun peeked through and, and it felt almost like that was just really extraordinary. I heard people saying that my vitamin D is down because I'm not getting enough sunshine and things like that. And it, it affected our mood. And here comes the sun from behind the clouds and it changes the dynamic and it feels extraordinary. But really, the sun shining is not that extraordinary. Uh, It's something we've seen before. Uh, It's something not out of the routine. Now, if we go a whole year without any sunshine, that's a different story. But, But here we are, here we are seeing that something like, you know, the sun coming up and peeking from behind the clouds is not a new thing to us. Now, think about the word extraordinary. The word extraordinary is an adjective. Now, if my English is right, Um, uh, An adjective is a word which describes a noun, and a noun is a person, place, or thing. You know, I played attention to Schoolhouse Rock on Saturday morning, and and, and I understood this ideal of, and really I learned a lot about grammar on that, but, but, um, but nonetheless, you know, here's this word extraordinary, which is an adjective, which is describing a person, place, or thing. Now, here's what dictionary.com says the word extraordinary means. It means, first of all, beyond 
that which is usual. Beyond that which is usual, ordinary, regular, or established. So it's something different. It's something out of the routine. It also means when you think about extraordinary, it means exceptional in character, amount, extent, degree, or for example, noteworthy or remarkable, that something is extraordinary. And so we think about that as the definition. Now, oftentimes our emotional responses to things we see, people we love, or events that happen leads us to use the word extraordinary for many different things. Even some things that after further review might be quite ordinary. Like I said, you know, the sun coming up in the morning, quite ordinary. But there are some things that we think are extraordinary. And, you know, our team wins a championship. That's extraordinary. Well, somebody's team every year wins a championship, right? Somebody's team wins the game. And so those things we kind of tend to throw in the category of extraordinary. Here's another w- word that we use a lot, and, and maybe it doesn't mean what we really mean. We use that word awesome all the time, don't we? Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Is, that, is, that, is it really something that strikes awe? <laughs> into, your, into your heart or your mind. You know, uh, 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 Mrs. Brinks might say of Brother Brinks, you know, he's awesome. Absolutely, right? Amen, amen, that's right. So, so it, you know, but, but think about that word awesome. We use it. We use extraordinary in the same way sometimes. It may be one of those words that simply gets kind of overused. Amen? Just one of those words that, that gets overused. And so we think about these things and uh, when it comes to using the word extraordinary. However, when we apply that word to our text today, we find several potential and I think correct uses for the adjective extraordinary. In fact, one would be negligent, in my opinion, if we did not, or if we did deduce that God's activity in this text is anything less than extraordinary. In this first chapter of Matthew, we went through the whole idea of the the royal lineage of Jesus Christ from Matthew chapter 1, uh, first 17 verses. We talked about on last week on how that, that royal lineage contained uh, some unsavory characters. And that in itself is somewhat extraordinary. You don't, you don't hear people talk about the bad seeds or the, the, the black sheep of their family. But you, you see that Matthew does not hide the fact in the lineage of Christ that there were people that were less than stellar in their character. King Ahaz was one of them. You know, he talked about that idolatry among those kings. You had people less than stellar. So after giving us this wonderful image of the genealogy, the royal lineage of Jesus Christ, Matthew now wants to discuss with his readers the idea behind this thing called the birth of Jesus. 
And so he gets into this starting in verse 18. So let's unpack this text which describes the circumstances surrounding the conception of our Lord Jesus Christ to make our case for these being extraordinary things and this being an extraordinary event. Remember, out of the norm, unusual, remarkable are the things that make something really extraordinary. The first thing we see here is that Jesus had an extraordinary mother. Okay? Extraordinary mother. Now, there are people in here that I'm sure you love your mother. Amen. Come on, give me some amens for the mothers. I mean, don't be quiet on that. I mean, if you love your mama, you got to stand up for your mama, right? You know, that's right. And so, and so, you know, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, an R&B group, the OJs, did a song. I always love my mama. No, no, it wasn't the was OJs, was it? Who was, whoever it was, it was, they did a song, I always love my mama. She's my favorite girl. And so, and so we often think that our mothers are extraordinary people. I think my mother is an extraordinary person, for sure. She's lived with my father for 54 years. That alone, <laughs> that alone makes her extraordinary, okay? But Jesus has this really extraordinary mother. In verse 18, we read this. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Matthew is going to define for us and show us how the birth of Christ happened. Now, every birth starts with a conception. Okay, every birth starts with a conception. So the birth of Christ took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, now, now Mary, Mary, was a young woman, and we find through other Gospels that the angel had told Mary that you have found favor among women, that God has uniquely chosen you to be the vessel to carry his son Jesus into the world. That in and of itself makes Mary extraordinary. Now, here's the thing. Mary gets this message from the angel saying, you're going to be pregnant. And she thinks, how can that be? Mary was old enough to know about the birds and the bees. You know, she was old enough to know how human procreation developed and worked. And so she wondered, how can these things be? Because I don't have a man in that way. And I know that in order for procreation to happen, there has to be a man and a woman, a male and a female. And Mary was told, you have been chosen. Something extraordinary is going to happen to you. This child will be brought into your womb in a different way. And so that alone makes Mary this extraordinary woman, this extraordinary mother. And so, so here's Mary, and the Bible says that she had been betrothed to Joseph. That she had been betrothed to Joseph. 
And before they came together, she was found to be with child uh, uh, from the Holy Spirit. Now, let's understand that, that there's a misnomer kind of that we use. And we call this the virgin birth. When really, it's really not the virgin birth. This was the virgin conception. Okay? Now, I know that there are, 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 are uh, uh, some theological circles up there, which, which I don't agree, that will say that, that somehow Mary maintained this ideal even after birth that she was a virgin. And, and yet, that is a physical impossibility uh, uh, given what defines virginity. And I won't go too much detail for that, but, but let it, let, uh, don't y'all laugh at that. Let it, let, it be, let it be suffice for us to say that we're talking about a virgin conception. Okay? And so the next thing we see here is we have an engagement, the betrothal. Mary was betrothed to Joseph. Now, what does that mean? Well, I'll tell you something. In the first century, it meant something quite different than what it means today in our culture. In, the, in our culture, an engagement can happen many times. You get a ring, you give it to her, she says yes, and you hope you get to the wedding day. <laughs> But it was much different in the first century. You didn't get, you know, the, 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 the ring and just take it off because you got mad or whatever the case may be. In the first century, when a man asked a woman to be his wife, the betrothal or what it meant to be betrothed to someone, to be engaged, if I could use a, a, a common word, what it meant to be engaged was almost as strong a vow as marriage. There was commitment involved. And so the assumption is that you would not ask a woman to marry you if you hadn't thought things through. You know, we got some people in our culture that are perpetually engaged. You know, here's my fiance, Pastor. I want you to meet him. Well, how long y'all been been engaged? Five years. We've been engaged ten years. If a man, and I'm gonna throw this in for free, has not figured it out in a matter of a few days whether or not you are good to be his wife, you don't fall into perpetual engagement. Too many times it's used simply to get the woman off the back. I'm, I'm, I'm throwing this out there, brothers. I know I'm not supposed to be saying this, but too many men in our culture will simply say, would you marry me so she can have some security? That he's serious about the relationship, but the man has no intention. Of getting married. He just goes to, to, to Albert's Jewelers and gets a ring and puts it on her finger and, and says, we're going to be perpetually engaged. Well, that's not how it was in the first century. In the first century, the engagement 
was a serious commitment and there it was already figured out that I am going to commit myself and live with this person for the rest of my life. That's what the first century was like. That's what engagement, you know, we could do well maybe to go back to some of that. Amen. Maybe we wouldn't have uh, peaking divorce rates and things like that happening in, the, in our culture if we took these things more seriously. Engagement is much more than just a, a way to upgrade a relationship. But it's a very serious, serious dynamic. You know, and, I, and, I, and really, again, I, I don't want to labor too long in this, but you know, I just kind of want to say this too. When it comes to this, if someone has not married you and you've been perpetually engaged, stop going around telling people that's your husband Amen. or your wife. Because it's really not. Amen? That happens to be, in many cases, the person you're living with. Quite outside the boundaries of God's command. But you're just shacking up. It may make you feel better to say, that's my husband or that's my wife. But there has been no commitment, no marriage vows just perpetual engagement. Now that I'm sufficiently in trouble, the engagement in the Jewish tradition was very serious, but there was to be no physical relation before the marriage took place. That was the stipulation on engagement. Yes, and in fact, in order to get out of an engagement, they had to get a divorce. Some of y'all look at me like, what? <laughs> you think twice before saying yes now, huh? Good thing Paige ain't here. I wouldn't tell Dexter, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, but you, had to, you, had to, you had to literally go through a legal proceeding to break an engagement. In the first century Jewish customs and tradition, there was no physical relationship, no connection there. And so we see that Mary is engaged, is betrothed to Joseph. Now, Joseph, we found out in, in Matthew 1 through 17, was from the house of David. Okay, so his lineage, in a sense, is royal because he's, a, he's a, from the house of David. Um, now, the other thing that we see quite clearly in this passage is that the Bible says before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So here's this extraordinary young woman now becoming this extraordinary mother by some extraordinary means. So when you start seeing these things and their actions of God, you know that God is doing something differently than he's ever done before. Sarah, the father 
of Isaac. I mean, the mother, I'm sorry, mother of Isaac. Sarah did not have a virgin conception. As a matter of fact, that was quite natural. Her problem was not whether or not I would be with my husband. We're too old. (laughs) For all this tomfoolery, right? (laughs) But Sarah, so, so God is doing something different than he's done before. He spoke and said, Abraham, you and Sarah are going to have a son. But he allowed it to flow the natural way. In this case, however, what we see is this young woman, and, and given the, 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 the custom here, it was quite likely that Mary was still in her teens. So here she is, not married, at least not formally, but betrothed, there was, a, there was a commitment, so I don't want you to think that Mary was just out there. And yet she's told, and we're told by Matthew, that this child in her womb is the work of the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. In these little places in Scripture, we have to pay attention because we see God the Father... God the Son in the womb of Mary, but the agent that brings that to be is God the Holy Spirit. So what have we seen? We've seen the power of the Trinity at work in this text. And so Mary is is born or is is impregnated by the power of the Holy Spirit. The, The Holy Spirit is the agent that causes this to happen. Now, I want you to understand something, and this, and this is something I'm going to throw in for free and kind of link this up for you. When you start looking in the New Testament, and even in the Old Testament, when you start talking about God acting in the lives of people, you're talking about God using the power of his, of his Holy Spirit, of the Holy Spirit. And so when we think about the church, it is not inconceivable now to know that if the Holy Spirit acts in this way, that once we become believers, God sets up residence in our lives through the power of who? The Holy Spirit. So that he lives in his children. How wonderful is that to know? Okay, so, so you have this extraordinary mother. Now, not only are we told about an extraordinary mother, but we're also seeing this text, an extraordinary father. Now, what makes Joseph so extraordinary? Certainly his story is nowhere near, at least on the surface, that of Mary's. I mean, Mary, young woman, told by an angel, visited by an angel, you're going to have this baby. You're not going to know a man. You know, this, this, this baby is going to be, be, be uh, extraordinary in everything that he does. And he, he's going to do these great and wonderful things. And yet now, none of this happens without Joseph. And so we have this extraordinary father. Verse 19, and her husband, Joseph. Now, again, I told you, Matthew now said, well, they were, they were engaged. 
But because of the way engagement worked in those days, quite different than today, you could say husband because there was a binding commitment there. And so he says, and her husband, Joseph, <clears throat> being a just man. Now, what, we, what, what does Matthew mean by that? He's not saying that Joseph is perfect, but he's saying he is a man that is committed to righteousness. He's a man committed to doing the right thing. He is a just man. And he says he's a just man and he was unwilling to put her to shame. He resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, the word quietly there in the Greek means privately. He wanted to do this privately. Now, why in the world would Joseph want to divorce Mary? The question goes without asking, doesn't it? The answer is obvious. I mean, why would he not want to do this? Here he has made a commitment to this woman who now has to tell him that she had a visit from an angel. Brothers, walk with me here. Your wife comes and says, I had a visit from an angel, your fiance, and, and says to you, I am pregnant by the Holy Spirit. What is your reaction? I'm not sure there are too many men in here would be shouting hallelujah at that moment. (laughs) I would imagine that the best of us would be a little perturbed in our spirit and struggling to believe that this is happening. So here is Joseph, a just man. Some of us my goodness, we'd be all on Facebook. I can't believe she did this to me. Men, stay away from this woman. She trying to tell me that she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. I'm not buying it. And be a lot of brothers on Facebook giving likes. <laughs> Some of them with a the little angry face. I'm with you, brother. Don't buy it. Don't believe the hype. <laughs> but, but here, here is Joseph. Noted by Matthew for his commitment to righteousness. A just man who heard this and obviously had some trouble with it, which is you know, understandable. And he says that I am going to put her away privately. I don't want to embarrass Mary. I love her. She's a wonderful girl, but she's not being honest with me. And not only that, can you imagine then that even, even, even if Joseph felt that she was telling the truth, how does he explain this to his family, to his friends, to those who 
he worked, with whom he worked, how does he explain that my fiance, to whom I've committed my life, is now pregnant? And yet we've not been together because that would be wrong in the eyes of the law and in the eyes of the Jewish custom and uh, traditions. And so he says, I am going to put her away privately. He decides very clearly, very succinctly that I don't want a scandal. I don't want to end up a reality show. Amen. You know today that would be the thing, right? A&E or Bravo or somebody would be like, hey, Joseph, can we get you to do this reality show? You know, Joseph and Mary. And we tune in to see what train wreck was this week. But he, would, he said no. No. Look at the integrity of Joseph here. If we need an example, brothers, <clears throat> of how... We ought to have integrity. Even in Joseph's decision to separate from Mary, he had the courage and the integrity to say, I'm not going to do this in public. I'm not going to make a public spectacle. That was extraordinary. Given the way sin affects the human condition, Imagine what that would have been like today. So he didn't, he didn't, he said, I'm going to dissolve her privately. But here comes an extraordinary intervention in the life of Joseph. In verse 20 it says, but as he considered these things. So Joseph was still kind of thinking this and mulling this over. How am I going to do this? How is this going to happen privately? I mean, everybody knows I've been telling my fellas and my friends that I'm getting married and I'm marrying this beautiful young woman named Mary and she's just the, the epitome of womanhood. You know how, brothers, you brag on your wife or your wife-to-be. And so, as he thought about these things and considered them, an extraordinary intervention, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David. Now, don't miss that. Again, Matthew is connecting Joseph back to the genealogy of Christ. So he says, Joseph, son of David, the angel reminds Joseph that you are of royal lineage. You have been chosen by a sovereign God. Don't you love the sovereignty of God in this text and this story? You see it all over here. God is working and he says, he said, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So the angel of the Lord shows up and confirms Mary's story. Let me throw this in there for free, saints. There are times when we are obedient to God and no one else around us understands why we're doing what we're doing. We serve a wonderfully sovereign God that will confirm our story. Amen. Amen. Praise him. 
Your, story, your obedience will be confirmed by the power of God. And so, so he says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife for her story is true. The child in her is of extraordinary actions of the Holy Spirit. And verse 21, the angel says to Joseph, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Now here is an extraordinary father, a just man being told that the child that he will help raise has an extraordinary purpose. And that leads us right into the next extraordinary thing that happens. You have an extraordinary mother, an extraordinary father, but you also have an extraordinary mission. Look at the mission. Again, in verse 21, she will bear a son and you'll call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. When Joseph heard the name Jesus, Yeshua, he understood fully what that meant in Hebrew. It means Yahweh saves. And you'll call him Jesus because his mission is to save his people from their sins. If you think about it, what a powerful statement of mission. Those of you who are parents in here today, when you looked at your child, maybe in, 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 in the ultrasound, you know, you take a picture of the baby in the womb now, and you get this ultrasound image, and, you know, people show me those things, and they're like, yeah, yeah, this is my baby, this, 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 is, this is a boy. I can't tell. I don't know how to read it. <laughs> I don't know if it's a boy, girl, upside down. What's, I, don't, I have no idea. But, I, you know, I'm wonderful. <laughs> you know, it's a gray and white blob to me. I'm just saying this. But to the parents, that is an image of beauty. This small child. Inside the womb. What goes through your mind when you thought about, what went through your mind when you thought about what this child might be? I know when my children were born, my firstborn, I, I have so many high hopes and I still have high hopes for all of my children. And, and you think Maybe this child will be the president of the United States. Maybe this child will be a governor, maybe a doctor, maybe an attorney, maybe a school teacher, maybe a college professor, maybe a policeman, maybe a fireman, maybe somebody that makes a difference in the world. And we hope for that, don't we? Joseph is told something extraordinary. Jesus is not just going to be a doctor, but he's going to be the doctor of doctors. Jesus is not just going to be a king, but he is going to be the king of kings. 
Jesus is not just going to be a prophet, but he will be the prophet of prophets. He will not just be the son of David, but he will be the son of God. Hallelujah. Bless his name. Here's Joseph told that your son that you will guide, your, your, this little baby has a mission that's extraordinary. He will save his people from their sins. What a powerful statement. My son had been a doctor, a teacher, any of those things, if my children, any of my children could have been any of those things, I'd have been incredibly grateful. I have two, two children at college graduates. I'm incredibly thankful for that. One has a master's degree. I'm incredibly thankful for that. But nothing that they achieved really could touch this idea of a child being born for the express purpose and mission. To save humanity from sin. Now some people might think that's not that big a deal. But see, you have too small a view of sin. If you, if you, don't, if you don't see that for what it is, your view of sin is really too limited. If you understand how vast and how deep and how horrible sin really is and what it would take to manifest glory and salvation from sin, then you would understand that Jesus' mission is the best thing that any baby could ever aspire to. To save his people from their sin. From that which is destroying them. From that which is decaying them from the inside out. From that which is eating them up. From that which causes this great gulf of separation between God and his, and his creation. He is here to bridge that gap. He is here to be the bridge over troubled waters. He's here. He's here to bring us back to the Father. To save us from our sin from every evil thought from every 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 sinful action every sinful inclination everything that we think in our minds even if we don't do it he has come to save us from our sin the first adam came and sin entered into the world. But the second Adam, Jesus, Yeshua, Yahweh saves. Jesus has come so that he can undo what the first Adam did. It says in verse 22, all this took place. To fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. This is an extraordinary mission. 
so that, so that it not only is he saving his people from their sins, but this is the time when God himself has come to earth to be with his creation, to interact, to live among us as a man. He will save his people from his sins. Matthew is quoting the prophet Isaiah here. And there's a lot of theological information that could give you right now, but it would take a lot of time. Let me just say this, that, that in, a, in, a, in a topical sense, Matthew is drawing on what the Old Testament says. And he says, the virgin shall conceive. And he's talking about, he's talking about this virginal conception, that this is the way it had to be. Because if Jesus had to come any other way, if Joseph had to been his earthly father, He would be disqualified from his mission. He would not be able to save us from our sins because every man that is born in this world through the natural realm is born a sinner. But not Jesus. Because the sin is in the seed of the father. And the seed of Joseph was sinful. But he didn't use the seed of Joseph. God didn't use. God says, I'm going to put myself. I'm going to take myself. I'm going I'm to take all that makes me me and, and everything that's in me. And I'm going to place it in Mary's womb in the form of a tiny little fertilized egg. But something extraordinary about that egg. Because the mother didn't carry the seed of sin the father so he could take Mary's pure egg and the seed of the father and make a sinless man a man fully God and fully man at the same time he has come to save his people (coughs) from their sins I'll finish with this saints they'll call his name Emmanuel God with us And what we see at the end of this text, we have had an extraordinary mother, an extraordinary father, an extraordinary mission. And finally, what we see is an image, a a portrait of extraordinary obedience. Verse 24, when Joseph woke from sleep, Don't miss this. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Joseph was obedient. Joseph went to bed that night troubled, thinking, how can I get rid of Mary without hurting her feelings, without messing things up, without causing a commotion? And he woke up after the angel had spoke to him in a dream And he said, I will do what God has commanded. Let me tell you, you will always be blessed for obedience. I want want to use my daddy's car. But my daddy's looking at whether I've been obedient. Oh, come on here, somebody. 
I want, I want to, I want to get some money so I can go do some things as a kid. But my daddy's looking at and saying, have you been obedient? See, understand the difference between grace and blessing. Grace comes by relationship. My father allowed me to live in his house, go to the refrigerator, eat his food. That was grace. Oh, but blessing, blessing came from obedience. Son, did you clean up your room? Yes, Father. Son, did you mow the grass? Yes, Father. Son, did you vacuum the floor? Yes, Father. Well, then now let me bless you. How backwards do we often have it as parents today? We give blessings for disobedience. We bless children with things and buy more material gifts. And some will spend much this Christmas season blessing and giving and giving and giving. And you're giving to disobedient children. I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I'm going to run the risk of it. If you're doing that, you are no different than the person standing in front of a soda machine that has a sign on it that says out of order and they keep putting money in it. Big old sign right there, out of order. And you I don't know why this is not giving me any soda. I just, and they keep putting, let me take this dollar and, and keep putting money in it. And what you've done is you've invested in that which is out of order nobody looks at that person and says oh that's that's the right thing to do they look at that individual and they say i can't believe this person must must not be able to read sign says out of order many times our children are out of order and we keep investing beyond grace you understand give grace relationship that's my child but I promise you, I'm not getting ready to buy you a car and you're bringing home D's and F's. No matter of fact, you won't even be driving mine. I don't even, look, let me tell you what I did with my kid. You couldn't even go out. If you're not obedient, I don't even want you to know what it's like to start my car. Jones, you get too comfortable. You, just, you, might, you might be sitting there, oh, this is nice. No, 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 no. I'll start my own car. Thank you very much. Get your house in order. Obedience. We say this all the time, and it's wrong. It's, I think it's theologically wrong. When, when praises go up, blessings come down. We say all the time, praises go up, blessings come down. That is not what the Bible says. It's when we are obedient that God blesses. Everything else, that breath you just took, grace. Waking up this morning, grace, obedience. God wants us to have extraordinary obedience, just like Joseph right here in this text. When he woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. He did everything. Thing the angel told him to do. Stop trying to bargain with God. 
well, maybe, Lord, if I do half of what you said, you know, you'll, you'll be all right. No. And so, my brothers and sisters, these are extraordinary events that brought to this world our Lord, our God, and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. It is by his gospel that we come to know that the Father loves us and desires us to be redeemed. It is by the sacrifice that this child will make as a grown man that will change the course of human history for eternity. An extraordinary birth of an extraordinary king. Come on, let's stand up in this place today. Give the Lord a hand clap. Would you praise for, for that which is extraordinary?